This morning, I want to wrap up the series that we've been doing on heaven. We've talked about the reality of heaven, the assurance of heaven, the peace of heaven. And now this morning, I want to put it all together by talking about the joy of heaven. You know, we have in our mind that heaven's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. It's going to be full of joy and happiness. But we really can't comprehend just how wonderful it's going to be, how joyful it's going to be. Here's the best that I can do. Think back over your life and think of the very best experiences you've had. Might be getting married, might be the birth of a child, it might be um, a graduation, it might be getting that dream job you've always wanted. Um, whatever it is, think about those experiences that were the very best you've had. And think about how much joy those brought you. When I do that, I just start smiling because I'm reminded of how joyful those times were. And now think about the fact that if you combine all of those experiences together and all of that joy together, it doesn't even begin to compare to the joy of heaven. It is infinitely greater than anything you have ever experienced in your life. One of the great promises of God about heaven is that the joy of heaven will be immediate. It will be immediate. I get asked this question quite often. You know, when a person dies, do they immediately go to heaven? And according to the Bible, the answer is yes. The moment a person takes their last breath on this earth, they take their first deep breath in heaven. When Jesus was on the cross and the thief was hanging beside him and the thief asked Jesus, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, someday you will be with me in paradise. It's not what he said, is it? One of these days you will be with me in paradise. If you're lucky... You might perhaps get into paradise. No, his answer was very definitive. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Just in case you had some confusion about what's this paradise thing. Paradise is just another word for heaven in the scriptures. So Jesus lets him know that while we are dying together on this cross, the time is going to come in the next few hours where we will no longer be here in suffering and pain. We will be there in my Father's kingdom, experiencing the joy of heaven. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, Paul said that to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. 
And there's no indication of any time lapse, of any waiting period, of anything there. He said, if you're absent from the body, the moment your soul, your spirit leaves your physical body, through your faith in Jesus Christ, it enters the presence of the Lord. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And both of those imply something that's going to happen immediately. Jesus wasn't saying, I'm about to die, Father, so I hope sometime you get hold of me. <laughs> I said, my spirit's coming home. I'm about to leave this, and I'm coming to you. And Stephen said the same. The rocks were being thrown. He could feel the life ebbing from him, and he just said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I'm on my way. So the joy of heaven is immediate, according to God's word. The joy of heaven is also complete. There's nothing that will need to be finished. Nothing that will need to be added. God's purpose for my life will finally be fulfilled and complete. God's word tells us that in heaven we receive five crowns. Now when I read that, the first thing that comes to mind is how do we pull that off? How do I get five crowns on one head? Do you like stack them? <laughs> no, we need to understand he's not literally talking about here's your crown. The, the word crown is symbolic of the honor of royalty. It speaks of a special position or place that you have. And since God is on the throne and Jesus is beside him, we receive these crowns as a sign of our special place. We are children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ, Paul says. And the crown is symbolic of that special place of honor that we have as the saints of God. Well, what are these crowns? I'm going to be all over the Bible here. In Timothy 4.8, it says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You will receive a crown of righteousness. The moment you enter into heaven, for the first time in your life, you will be utterly and completely Righteous. There will be no vestige of sin. There will be no stain of sin, no corruption of sin. Everything about you will be right in the eyes of God. That's what the crown of righteousness symbolizes. You know, I got to thinking about that. There has never been a day in my life, I guess maybe as a baby, but 
in my con- when I was old enough to have any sense about what I was doing, there's never been a day when I've been completely right. Ever. Have I, hun? See? <laughs> She'll tell you. She'll confirm. I, I love that saying that uh, if a man does something wrong and there's no woman to see it, is he still wrong? <laughs> you know? And I think the answer is, yeah, you are. <laughs> you know, and to think about that, that the moment I enter heaven, I'm right. Everything about me is right. Every thought I will think, every word I will speak, everything I will do will be right. I can't wait for that. <laughs> then James... says that blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Speaks to the eternal nature of our time with God. It is a crown of life, a crown of living. You know, we all know that the moment we are born, what are we heading toward? Death. We are born and begin moving toward death. But the moment you enter heaven, you are always moving toward life, and life, and more life, and better life, and greater life. It's just life upon life. That's what that crown represents, life. Let me find 1 Corinthians 9.25. No, I don't want 25. What do I want? There we go. He tells us that we are going to receive a crown that is imperishable and incorruptible. A crown that has no end. Everything I have in this world is perishable and corruptible. Nothing lasts. But everything that I have in heaven will last. It's permanent. It's ongoing. The crown that is imperishable. 1 Peter 5, 4. says that when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. A crown of glory. I've received some glory in this life. In fact, if you go down in my basement in the storeroom, I've got a big box full of my glory. I mean, I got trophies. I've got bowling trophies. I've got trophies for being uh, a state officer in a group called the Distributive Education Clubs of America. It's a high school marketing association. I've got plaques. I've got Boy Scout awards. I've got some glory. And it's all in a box 
in my basement. <laughs> it's fun. When I, when I first got these things, when I was in school, you know, and getting these, they were on the shelf. And I would bring you in my room, my glory. Huh? <laughs> and then, you know, I, I moved out of the house and so I carefully packed them in a box, you know, put stuff between them. I don't want anything to happen. Didn't want anything to get scratched up. I had my glory I could take with me. This last time, I just kind of, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, what? the other day I was in there and pulled out that box and the top's broken off some of them and things have gotten scratched. And it's it just obvious no care has been given to them anymore. The glory has faded. The glory has diminished. If I bring them in here and line them up here, none of you are going to go, oh my goodness, that is so amazing. Look at that glory. Any, any glory you get, any achievement you have, people do things and the world just ooze and ahs, that's such an amazing thing. But it all fades. It all goes away. But that crown of glory we're going to receive from the Lord, it lasts forever. That thing will never tarnish. <laughs> that thing will never diminish. Because it will be the glory of God that he has given to us. And then finally in 1 Thessalonians 2 19, it says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. It will be a crown of joy. Complete, utter joy. Inexpressible joy. Unending joy. You know, think back some of those experiences I told you to think about earlier and how much joy they brought you. You know what the problem is with those things? They didn't last, did they? I mean, how long could you sustain that joy over that event? I remember watching each of my daughters be born, and that's right up there on the list of most, most joyful moments in my life, as well as some of the weirdest Especially the first one. I really didn't get enough education about this, you know, to be prepared for that. But the joy. I, I couldn't wait to call people. I couldn't wait to show pictures to people and brag to people. It's my daughter. About the third night she kept us up crying. <laughs> I had no joy. The joy was, <laughs> you know, it fades. It doesn't last. But this joy does. And in addition to the five crowns, Paul talks about the rewards that we will receive in heaven to enhance or increase our joy in God's kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. Now this causes a lot of confusion and a lot of people kind of get this wrong. 
when they try to interpret what Paul is talking about. So, so listen carefully. The, you know, I hear people say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to get judged. I don't go through the judgment. Yes and no. <laughs> there are two different kinds of judgment. The Bible talks about in Revelation 21 what we call the great white throne judgment because God is on his throne. And those who die without Christ, unbelievers who choose to live their entire life without Christ, they will stand before God on their own, on their own merit, and none shall pass. No one can stand before God in that great white throne judgment and come out the other side into God's kingdom. So we don't deal with that. As, as those who have put your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said we would stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the purpose of that judgment is not to determine do you get to be in heaven? Are you saved? That's already been decided. When Christ died on that cross for the forgiveness of my sins and rose from the dead and I received him as my Savior, I was saved for all eternity. My eternal life really doesn't begin the day I die. My eternal life began on Easter Sunday, 1967. Because that's the day I said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. That's when eternity began, the clock. If you had one of those countdown clocks on eternity, which is kind of tough because it could never run out, but, but it would have started that moment. The kind of judgment Paul's talking about here, it said we would be just according to what we've done in this world. Even though my works do not determine my salvation, what I do in this life is important. You know, people get the idea that once I'm saved and I have my eternal fire insurance policy, then I don't, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm strolling through the pearly gates when I die. But what we do does matter. Paul talks about it in terms of a building. This is in 1 Corinthians 3. He, he talks about our lives are like a building, and the foundation of that building is Christ. And the things that you do in this life are, are what you build on that foundation. And the day we, we go before Christ, he's going to set the thing on fire. And the things that we did that don't matter, the things that are not the things of God, the things that continued to be influenced by our sinfulness, those things are just all going to burn up and turn to ash. But the things you do that matter, which are the things that matter to God, the kindness and the grace and the compassion you show to others. The unselfishness that you exhibit in your life as you go that extra mile to do for others something 
that they need. The generosity as you share what you have. All of those things. Think of the fruit of the Spirit things. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Anything that's related to those, those will last. They'll still be standing. And the Bible said it is based upon that that you will receive your reward in heaven. Now, I have no idea what form those rewards take. That's always the next question that comes. Well, what kind of reward are you talking about? Money? Cars? Property? What? What's, what is it? I don't know. All we know is that they will enhance or enrich our experience of God's kingdom. So the joy of heaven is immediate, the joy of heaven is complete, and it encompasses these five crowns and these rewards that God will give us. And all of that will come together in what John described in Revelation 21 and 22 as the new heaven and the new earth. Now this gets pretty complicated as well. So I'm going to give you the least complicated version I know. I, I thought, well, one way to find out, maybe an easy way to think about this, is to Google it. I, I like Google. I Google a lot. So I Googled new heaven and new earth. I didn't get what I was looking for. Remember when I started this series, I told you I Googled heaven and I got Walmart? Remember that? Well, I Googled new heaven and new earth, and I got this. New heaven and new earth on eBay. Great deal. <laughs> I didn't know we could buy the thing. <laughs> Here I'm waiting around for God to create it. I can just go put a bid on it. What does a new heaven and new earth cost, by the way? I don't know. New heaven and new earth. Shop low prices and top brands on Amazon. I knew Amazon had a lot of stuff. I wonder if I can get that prime two-day shipping. I could have a new heaven and new earth by Tuesday. Oh, and I like this one. New heaven and new earth. Get up to 70% off at best deals today. Discounted new heaven and new earth. Say, so, yeah, I like that. So then I decided maybe instead of looking to Google, I should look to the scripture. I might get a little more accurate answer to my question. And I did. In Matthew 19, 28, Jesus refers to the end of the world, and he talks about the renewal of all things. The word new or renew, there, there are a couple of words in, in the original language, in the Greek, in the New Testament. One of them relates to time. Something is new because it's never existed before. If I say I have something new and you go, 
well, I've never seen that before. And I said, that's because this is the first one. There's never been this before. It is new. Then there's another word that refers to new in terms of the thing has existed before, but it's still new in condition. Have you ever bought something and never opened it? Never used it? In my garage right now, I have a small portable gas grill like you might take camping. That has been in my garage for 17 years. Still in the box with the original tape over it. It was 75% off, people. <laughs> see, see, she's down here, yeah, wish that was the only thing like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, aren't there those times when you just have to buy something because you just have to buy it? You really don't need it. I had another one just like it already. <laughs> If anyone, if anyone needs a portable gas grill, see me after the service. I can, I'm sure we can work something out. But it's still new. The thing is 17 years old in terms of time, but it is brand new because it's never been out of the box. It's never been touched by human hands. It's never been used in any way. So it is brand spanking new. See, and I, I bring all this up because when the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth, and Jesus is talking about the renewal of all things, what the scripture tells us is that when it talks about destroying this earth, he's not going to explode the planet. He's not just going to utterly destroy everything he created the first time and start over again. It means he's going to cleanse this planet. He's going to destroy all of the curse of sin, all the corruption of sin, all the evil, all the sickness, the suffering, all those things that we have introduced into our world through our sinfulness, he is going to remove. And he's going to recreate, he's going to renew this world in which we live. So a couple questions come to mind from that. How does the new heaven relate to heaven as it exists now? What Paul calls the third heaven. And remember we talked about that a number of weeks ago. That the Bible refers to three different levels of heaven. You have atmosphere heaven, the air we breathe, that's referred to as the heavens. You have space heaven, where the planets and the stars, the sun and the moon are, that's referred to as heaven. And then Paul saw that I was caught up to the third heaven, which is the heaven where God is. Here's the best way I know to explain it. When we die, I told you we immediately go to heaven, and you do. You go to what Paul referred to as third 
heaven where God is. Then the scripture tells us that someday Christ is going to return. And Paul says that when Christ returns, who will he bring with him? Those who have gone before us in death, who have put their hope and trust in Christ. Well, I guess we generally refer to them as the saints. Those who have gone to heaven, where God is, Christ is going to bring them with him and reunite with those who are still alive. And then together we will occupy this new heaven that he will create. It seems to be the idea of a return to Eden. You know, God created a perfect world. He put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had a perfect relationship with him, with each other, with all of nature. They had meaningful work to do as they tended and cared for the garden. We are going back to a time like that. I don't know what form it will take. I don't know what will be there and what won't. Other than it will only be good, nothing bad. Only be joy, nothing of sorrow. Only be life, nothing of death. And then the other question that I get asked is, how do we know that's going to happen? We have a very skeptical world today that would listen to somebody like me tell you what I've just told you and go, how do I know that? Well, in both Revelation 21 and 22, God tells John these words, which means the things he's told John in Revelation, these words are trustworthy and true. In other words, God is staking his very character and integrity on the truth of what he said. And as far as I know, God has never misspoken, <laughs> exaggerated, <laughs> fudged the truth, broken a promise, told a lie. God's word has always been trustworthy and true. So I have no problem believing that what he tells me about heaven and the joy of heaven is trustworthy and true. I like the way Howard Hendricks said it. He said, we are not in the land of the living on our way to the land of the dying. We are in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. That, my friends, is the joy of heaven. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful that you have placed the hope of heaven, the joy of heaven, the peace and the love of heaven before us. Because it gets a little hard down here. There are times when life seems overwhelming. There are times when the problems just mount and pile up and we're just not sure 
how we find our way through. But Lord, we know no matter how hard things may get, there is a better day coming. We know that you have set before us the joy of heaven. And as long as we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and live with that hope in our heart, we can go through anything and overcome any challenge because Christ is Lord. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Now everything I've said about heaven for these four weeks all hinges upon having faith in Jesus Christ. These are not just general statements to people in general that everybody is going to have this experience. Remember I said that Paul likens our lives to a building and what was the foundation of that building? It was faith in Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. It doesn't matter how you build on a building that has no foundation. It will fall. It won't last. Only that which is built on a sure foundation will last. We each have a choice to make about eternity. I love this epitaph. It's, it's a, a hundred-year-old tombstone. And it's a stark reminder of the certainty of death and the two paths that lie before us. The epitaph says, Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. Somebody thought about it a few minutes and they scrawled a reply. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, putting your hope in Jesus Christ lets you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, which way you will go. No one wants to stand before God in anxiety and fear, wondering, am I going to make it? No one wants to face that great white throne judgment. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never said yes to the one who said yes to you when he died upon that cross, I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to stand and sing a hymn together, and I'm going to invite you to come and let me receive you, let me pray with you, let me lead you in a simple statement of faith, accepting Christ as your Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism, and you too will have the joy and the hope of heaven firmly fixed in your heart. Let's stand together. Number 377, verses 1 and 4.
Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup, and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. 